two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save us, uh, save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence for condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, when the sun's light faded and the curtain of the temple was torn into two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Let's pray as we open up God's word together. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and open the eyes of our hearts to hear from your word this afternoon. Amen. A few weeks ago, our pastor Jim pointed out that the Bible is full of strange stories. In the Old Testament and the New, we meet characters that surprise us. Stories that turn our preconceived notions on their heads. And most of all, we meet a God who startles us into giving him our full attention. The story we have read together today is the very strangest in the whole Bible. It is so strange that we tell it only partially most of the year. But we mark out one special day and time each year to tell the whole story. Good Friday, noon. So here we are. I grew up in church hearing this Good Friday story year after year. Over and over again, we heard of Jesus' betrayal, his rejection by enemies and friends alike, his violent physical torture, the sham justice, and his dramatic death. 
but it has never quite become familiar. The story of Jesus' death rattles us and grabs our attention. It takes us out of our comfort zone. Why do we tell it then? What does Jesus' death mean that makes this story worth telling again and again on Good Friday, year after year? We can find a hint in one of the strangest lines of this strange story. In Luke chapter 23, verse 45, in the section we just read, we read that an unnatural darkness came over everything in the middle of the day, as though the light of the sun itself was dimmed. And then there is one short, puzzling sentence, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. It is a sentence that makes little sense on its own, but it is as though a camera suddenly pans out from this moment in Jesus' story so that we can see it in the bigger context of the whole Bible. If we want to know what Jesus' death means, well, we must remember the rest of the story. In the beginning, in Genesis 1 and 2, God created human persons to live at peace with their creator and with one another in a garden. In the cool of the day, God came to walk with this first man and woman and to talk with them as friends. Then one day, the humans latched on to a new idea. If they could choose for themselves what was right and what was wrong, they could become like God themselves. God had told them not to eat the fruit of one particular tree in the garden, but the voice of an evil serpent whispered in their ear the question, what if you could be like God? They tried on this idea. It would be nice to be a God, to have the power to make their own decisions about what was good and what was bad. So they ate the fruit that was forbidden for them. They found it did not taste so bad as they expected. But when the man and the woman chose for themselves, immediately they saw that they were not like God after all. They were still creatures made of the dust of the ground. They felt naked and ashamed, and they tried to cover themselves with leaves that they sewed together a rather fragile fabric. That day when God came to walk with them, they knew what they lacked, and they hid from God. Their choice to turn away from God and to choose for themselves what was right, what we call sin, became a veil that separated the man and the woman from God. They had drawn this sin veil across the space between themselves and God. They did it themselves by their own choice. But God, both holy and loving, also drew a veil. God made the first sacrifice, using the skins of an animal to clothe the man and the woman. It was another layer of fabric between them. This pattern of sin and separation continues through the familiar stories of the Bible. Later, God calls a special people, the children of a man called Abraham and his wife Sarah, to be his chosen people, the people of Israel, calling them to tell the stories of God's love that would be a blessing to the whole world. But as these people followed God, their heart's desire to be God's themselves, to choose their own way in the world, never faded away. As the people worshipped their God, building a tabernacle and then a temple, God acknowledged their separation and shame by a curtain that separated the people from the Holy of Holies, 
the, sac the sacred and secret place of worship where God was said to live and where only the high priest was allowed to go to represent the people and only on the Day of Atonement once a year. There are hints in the story that this was never what God wanted. God invited Abraham and his descendants to meet face to face many times. But God's people were often afraid, ashamed, and in their hearts they still wanted to be gods themselves and to choose what was right in their own eyes. So God's temple in Jerusalem, where Jesus spent much of the week before his death, was a carefully organized space. The outermost court was supposed to be a place where anyone could come to worship, regardless of whether they were a son uh, or daughter of Abraham or not. But Jesus was furious when he entered it that week and found it to be as a worshipful as a shopping mall. Then there was the inner court where only the sons and daughters of Abraham could worship and bring sacrifices. And then there was another court inside that that only men could enter. The men of Israel could even go with a priest into the towering temple building if they dared. But again, only the high priest could pass through the heavy curtain to be in the presence of God. The curtain was huge, up to 90 feet high, and woven in rich and beautiful colors as thickly as humanly possible. The image of this curtain is a powerful image. There's something in it that resonates as a universal experience. You and I are separated from God. We are separated in part by our choices to go our own ways, but then we are separated again by God's choice. It would not be safe to come near a holy, all-powerful creator God, just as I am in a frail mortal body. I could be consumed as by fire. I could fall to pieces. Or mentally, I just couldn't handle or process what I was seeing. And yet there is something in me as well that longs to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the day, to have a loving face-to-face -face relationship with the God who loves me. We were also created for relationship with God. But could that ever be possible again? Who could draw away this heavy curtain? It is in the context of this bigger biblical story about sin as a curtain that separates us from God that Luke inserts his little sentence, his strange sentence, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. How could the curtain that had separated humans from God for such a long time be torn? God's solution again surprises us. In several passages in the Old and New Testament, we can see that solution. In order to destroy the curtain that separated people from God, Jesus becomes the curtain. So that as Jesus is torn on the cross on Good Friday, he opens a way for us to enter freely into God's presence. So let's look at a few of those passages. Our service today opened with the first passage I'd like to look at. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
When Isaiah wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus' death, it's possible that he was writing about another servant leader of Israel at a specific time in their history, a human person who took the blame for the people. But by the time we meet Jesus in the Luke in, in the book of Luke, it quickly becomes clear that Isaiah's words were also spoken about Jesus. Luke makes it clear in his story that Jesus was not just another good human person. Jesus is God, and God come to walk with his people in the cool of the day, to look them in the face and to gather them together as a shepherd gathers the sheep who have wandered off in their own ways. And perhaps most importantly, Jesus has come to restore their relationship with God by allowing God to lay on him the blame that they deserved. Jesus was God come to take down the curtain, but instead the people thought he looked too dusty and human. He was not tall and gleaming and muscle-bound enough to beat the Greek and Roman gods of their invaders. Besides, the people kind of liked the right to choose their own way. They had grown to like their curtain of separation. It had kept God out of their lives and penned him up in that holy of holies for so long that when he stood right in front of them, they didn't recognize the one true God anymore. So the leaders, the people, their enemies, everyone worked together to put Jesus on a cross and to kill the one who had come to restore them to God. And let's be honest with ourselves. It's not just them there. We have all gone astray, and we would have done the same thing. That is the message in the passage in Isaiah. But Hebrews chapter 10 explains even more clearly how the curtain of separation could be removed. This passage says that when he died on the cross, Jesus became the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' body itself was the curtain torn so that we can boldly approach God's throne. Male, female, Jew, Gentile, priest, layperson, all of us now have access into that Holy of Holies. The Apostle Peter goes even further in 1 Peter 2. When echoing Isaiah, he says that Jesus became sin for us, bearing our sins in his own body on the cross so that we might die to sin and to live a life of right relationship with God again. It's an old story. But Isaiah, Hebrews, and Peter all agree Jesus is the curtain. He's torn from top to bottom so that we can walk freely into the presence of God. And this is the reason that we tell the story of Jesus' death year after year. This is the news that makes this Friday good. Through Jesus, we can have a face-to-face -face relationship with God again. And so, friend, on this Good Friday, I invite you, in light of Jesus, to turn your face toward God, right where you are. Come boldly up to God as he hangs on the cross and look. If you have believed in Jesus for years, turn your face to God anew today by the confession of your sins. Remember that no matter how long we have believed our sinful choices to go our own way, it was that that put Jesus on the cross. But every day, as often as you turn toward God, remember also that through Jesus, you may approach God boldly.
Turn away from your sin and seek the way of wisdom that our creator God has laid out for us. And as often as you turn to God, may our Savior's face shine on you. And today, if you are not yet sure what to believe about Jesus, turn your face toward him by opening your heart to this strange and terrible story. Look to Jesus on the cross, his body torn to make a way for you to come to God. Jesus is a wounded healer who is with you in the pain of your worst suffering. If you look to Jesus, you will find a new life with God that you never imagined. But you must also give up your right to choose for yourself what is good. You must accept this strange and wonderful God who would give himself to be torn for you. And as you turn to God, may you see how Jesus' face lights up with joy to see you. May you see in his eyes how much God loves you. May you find freedom and healing and peace on God's path. And may God grant all of these things to you today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. The man went to Pilate, and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was a day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. Hello everyone, my name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.